Hi, I'm Mike Dilk and you're listening to the Relax Back UK show. The show that explores all kinds of health topics relevant to you, your family and your friends. Each week I talk to expert guests from a range of backgrounds to inform and entertain you. So please do join the Relax Back UK family and stay tuned. Hi and thank you for joining me, Mike Dilk, on the Relax Back UK show. And welcome to the UK Health Radio family of 1.3 million listeners each month. Great topic this week, but what is it? Um, so we see it around things like like pregnancy, um, but actually, interestingly enough, we see it around things like cold water immersion, um, which is part of the reason why people keep coming back to it because they, there is a love for doing it, um, and so you know you are hooked once you start doing it. It is cold water swimming in all its facets, including the release of the love hormone oxytocin, groups to join, where to swim, pollution and much else, including safety. We've had friends who've gone swimming with someone who said they know what they're doing and they did get hypothermia and it's really dangerous. And I think that's why people need to know what the risks are so you do it safely. My guests are Olympian and sports academic, Professor Greg White, and breast cancer surgeon who herself got breast cancer, Liz O'Riordan. So please join me and them for a great show. Thank you. So I kicked off the discussion on cold water swimming by revealing one of the habits that tends to upset the rest of my family. I often embarrass my family if we're out walking somewhere uh, by jumping into rivers and streams and lakes, uh, either with or without clothes. So they, they, they find the whole thing, frankly, a bit embarrassing uh, with me. Um, but it's, it's not something I do every week. You know, and I, I know you guys are avid uh, swimmers. Uh, outside and in the cold so I guess a good first question's got to be you know apart from, it just I feel great after I've been for a, a cold swim it's just nice because you know often just being outside is nice but is it more than that is there something physiologically happening to give us some feel-good hormones or chemicals or something either of you I'll let you start Greg <laughs> well, it, it, interesting one, Mike. And I think pr probably what what we should do is actually coin it under cold water immersion, okay? Um, because it, it, they're very different things. Um, and I think without it, it's an interesting one. So I think probably the best place to start is to say that that much like many natural environments uh, on this planet, um, they can be uh, very positive for us. Uh, they can be very negative for us and potentially can be fatal for us. Um, so I think the critical thing to think about is that when we're talking about cold water immersion, it, it, there's a whole host of different factors that matter. Uh, one is obviously the temperature of the water. Uh, two is the duration of immersion. So how long are you going to be in the water for? Another one is what are you doing in the water? So you, you mentioned swimming. Um, Obviously, there's now the penchant for just getting into water and being still in water. That 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 creates slightly different challenges. Um, and then there's also the, the factor of the individual themselves. So whether they're acclimatized or not, um, whether they're what we call habituated, are they used to it? Have they been doing it for a prolonged period of time? And then underpinned by physiological factors, or sorry, anthropological factors in terms of body composition. So uh, the, the larger individual versus the smaller individual. And what, what really matters there is actually 
body surface area to mass ratio, which always right. sounds very complicated, but it's not really. It's just basically that uh, what what matters is if you've got a very large body surface area, but not a great deal of mass. So in other words, for example, if you are very tall, uh, but very skinny, uh, you've got a very large surface area with very little mass. Um, and what that what that means in that environment, and interestingly enough, so the older we get, invariably we move to that position uh, and, and at both ends of the spectrum. So so children tend to be large body surface area with, with low body mass. And for those individuals, they lose heat at a much greater rate. Effectively, it's like, it, it's like being a radiator. How, what's the size of your radiator mm -hmm. uh, compared to the amount of fluid that's going through it? Um, and so it, really it's about making sure that we understand each of those factors to ensure that when we have cold water immersion, that what we get is we get the positive end of the spectrum. Right. Um, and when it comes to the positive end of the spectrum, there are a, an awful lot of benefits from cold water immersion, ranging from physiological benefits through to psychological benefits. So if we think about the psychology of it, um, let's think about the brain chemistry rather than the psychology. So if we think about the brain chemistry, we're talking about the release of a, a host of different hormones. Um, those wonderful hormones that we love to coin under happy hormones. Um, right. Uh, somewhat, somewhat erroneously calling them happy hormones, but people understand what that means. Um, and in fact, one of them, dopamine, for example, is actually a reward hormone. It's not necessarily a happy hormone, but we derive happiness from being rewarded. And so therefore, uh, they, they sound the same thing. But things like serotonin increases, uh, dopamine increases. Um, one of the really interesting ones when it comes to, to brain chemistry is a hormone called oxytocin, um, which has been dubbed the love hormone. Um, and, and, and interestingly, some of my work... All right, we all need a bit of that. Well, you do. doesn't, it doesn't. <laughs> but it, interestingly enough, where, where do you see that? You, you see that actually in uh, pregnant women postnatally. So at, on birth, um, what, what, uh, what happens is you release a, a, a huge amount of oxytocin. And that love then is one of the links uh, that bonds baby and mother together. Uh, the interesting one is the fact that fathers uh, also release oxytocin. Um, which then binds that. Um, so we see it around things like like pregnancy, um, but actually, interestingly enough, we see it around things like cold water immersion, um, which is part of the reason why people keep coming back to it because they, there is a love for doing it, um, and so you know you are hooked once you start doing it. So that's a really long answer, and apologies for that. But it's just about I think we have to be really importantly we, we have to understand the, the nuances of it. Right. Before yeah. we can understand whether it's positive, negative or potentially fatal. OK, uh, we will explore lots of those, I'm sure. But, but for now, um, let me bring in Liz, because I know you've joined a group of people that do this um, together. And yeah. um, so, uh, you know, you, you do the outdoor swimming. So, you know, it, it will be cold. But inevitably, they're, they're, you do this outside. So you're, you're probably in a nice place. You do it with a group of people that you've, you know, you've got to know quite well. So you do it with some friends. So the, the whole event is probably quite uh, life affirming and, and fun as well, apart from being in cold water. So I suppose. Yeah. Is that what you found? Or do you find it both aspects just as important? It's both. I started doing it to do something with other people because as a triathlete, most of my training was by myself. I thought I just want to meet people. And 
I want to know if I can swim outside because in Suffolk, I didn't realize there were a load of rivers and places we could dip, often by the side of a road or in Fords by a bridge. Right. And they're all really clean. Luckily, the water quantity is really good. And it was amazing to be welcomed by this group of men and women who took me into their arms and said, right, this is what you need to bring. This is what you need to wear. This is when you need to come out. And in the beginning, I was only in for a couple of minutes. And I, it's very easy to think competitively and think, oh, they say you should be in for this many minutes per degree. And actually, it's about my enjoyment. And I learned when to get out when I start to feel cold. And then we spend an hour chatting and having tea and coffee and cake and warming up. And it's that whole, that buzz that lasts with you all day, doing it with a group of friends, knowing that you're safe and just feeling amazing for hours afterwards. And presumably some of these people are quite experienced. So yes. they'll, they'll take a newcomer under their wing and kind of keep an eye on them. And this thing about exactly. Greg was saying, you know, if you are tall and thin, um, you've got a large surface area. And actually, yeah, it, it could possibly go horribly wrong if you're not a bit careful it could there's not much of me and I get very cold very quickly so they say right you've been in too long this is when you need to get out have you got all your layers have you got your hot drink discovering things like heated gloves to put on afterwards and learning how to get changed quickly and I think doing it with people who've been there we've had friends who've gone swimming with someone who said they know what they're doing and they did get hypothermia and it's really dangerous and I think that's why people need to know what the risks are so you do it safely yeah so with that in mind, for this is okay, an impossible question for an average sort of person. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, what could be dangerous? You know, you think, oh God, it's this place is lovely. I'm just going to jump into this river, but actually, it's quite cold. Uh, you might be on your own or just with, I don't know, your wife or someone. I think the first thing, thing is, yes. It's easy to jump into a river. It's hard to get out, especially if the bank is steep or muddy and you need to know you can get out. Yeah. And that's why we often have like a rope bridge to actually get yourself out. And it's starting, you get out when you first start to feel a tingle. If you stay in too long, your hands start to claw so they don't work. So you get out, but you can't dress yourself. Right. And then you can start to become a bit confused with it. You feel happy and I feel amazing and you don't realize you're becoming hypothermic. So that's like doing it with a group of people and learning, right, how do you feel? Okay, you should get out now. Because you want to stay and it's almost get out when it starts to feel amazing. That's the time to get out. Okay, now I get it. Now, I, I know, Greg, you've been involved with charities to, you know, get people swimming because there are a lot of swimming accidents and stuff like that. And is, is, is part of that making people aware of some of the dangers of, of cold water? Uh, absolutely. I, 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 tell you what, I tell you what, Mike, I had a little smile when you, when you said that because it, absolutely frightens me when people say oh yeah that looks lovely i'll jump in um i'm guilty I mean, of that at one, end that. The, <laughs> at one end of the spectrum one thing we always have to remember is that 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 immersion um is the third leading cause of unintentional injury related death globally yeah um so a, a huge number of people die because of immersion, so drowning. Um, number one, to, to support that, in the UK, one person drowns every 20 hours in the UK. Wow. So you've always got to be mindful of the fact that actually water yeah. is incredibly dangerous, okay, uh, first off. Secondly, what you've got to think is that if you are jumping into a body of water, you have absolutely no idea what is underneath the water. No, how deep um, it is, and, what the current's like. Precisely. Uh, and so it, uh, understanding the, the water course that you're going to jump into is really very important. Uh, that said, I would never jump into water 
on no. on a first occasion or even potentially a subsequent occasion, um, particularly into cold water. Um, and so, therefore, the idea that you're going to jump into a body of water, I would say, is a no right from the, from the onset. Understanding that water is absolutely crucial. So what it lies underneath, what's the flow rate, how deep is it, what is the temperature of it, and, and what Liz says is absolutely crucial. It's not where you get in, it's where you get out that matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, are there safe places to exit the river? If you miss that place, if you've got flowing water, where are you going to get out after that? Um, and so there's all the, again, there's lots of different caveats to this. And, and that's why, actually, what, what Liz describes is absolutely right, is that if you, if you join a group that is seasoned in open water swimming in, in a recognized place that is safe, then you are so much safer by doing that as a group. Uh, and th- th- I have a golden rule, and that golden rule is never broken, ever broken. And that is that you never swim alone, yeah. ever. And uh, you will never see me swim alone. Uh, and I don't think you should ever swim alone. And so therefore, okay. being part of a group is really very much part of what we should be looking at. And, and what that then leads to is safety first. And safety first is everything when we talk about immersion. Right. And part so that- of the fun of swimming is the swearing. Because you go in slowly, you acclimatize <laughs> inch by inch. And there's a swearing when it gets above your, your hips and then your tummy and then your nipples. And it's like you just go in slowly to acclimatize. Because if you go in suddenly, you can panic and start to hyperventilate and choke and take on water. Right. But, you know, that's a really important point that Liz says, because what that's called is the cold shock response. That's and that, that, accounts, that accounts for the vast majority of open water deaths are related to the cold shock response. And, and, and most people will recognize that as exactly what, what Liz has described it as. So effectively what happens is you hyperventilate um, on, fir- on first immersion into cold water. Um, we can come on to the definition of cold in a second, but into cold water. Uh, in, in addition to that, what you've got is you've got uh, an increase in blood pressure, an increase in heart rate, as well as that increase in ventilation rate. Um, but but the, the key to it is, is what you have to think is that in terms of that ventilation is that we don't have to take on that much water in order to start the drowning process. And in fact, somewhere in the region of about half a litre of water we can take on board. They think, well, that's quite a lot of water. It's not when you get into water and you're hyperventilating at 100 litres a minute. Uh, and that that gasp response, the immediate, <gasps> and then hyperventilation that follows, it can be really problematic if you are not a seasoned open water swimmer, if, if you're not a great swimmer, uh, if you don't... It, it, and then remember, some of these things will be exacerbated in different bodies of water. So the sea, for example, where you've got waves, which yeah. may be crashing over the face, yeah. the likelihood of likelihood of taking on water is much higher. So so recognizing the the acute the acute response to when we get into water, uh, and then the, the chronic. So again, when we talk about whether this is good or bad, it's it, what happens acutely, making sure that we avoid the dangers of acute exposure. And then what happens when we've been in the water for a period of time? Two separate things, but yeah. both related to. Okay. So it takes the, about two minutes. Sorry. Yeah, it can take about uh, two minutes just for you to start to love it again and think, oh, this is actually really nice. It's getting past that swearing bit. Okay. Yeah. So you've you got about two minutes. If, 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 if you have the acute problems, actually, two minutes is enough to kill you, re- realistically, isn't it? If you Very know, much so, yeah. yeah. Very All much right, so. So you're, you're dead in two minutes. But let, let's look on the bright side. <laughs> we, we get past that. <laughs> and then you get into the water and start to uh, in, in, enjoy it or not feel quite quite so bad. Uh, and the, the swearing, 
now swearing i've heard is actually if people swear it helps with with yes. pain um yeah it does so it sounds like that's part of it in your group liz Definitely. You tell yourself it's lovely and warm and you know as you go in, it's like, oh God, it's just going above my, oh, that's a painful bit. And the, But then you're in the water and we don't swim. We don't have big areas. We're just paddling and dipping and chatting. And it's just so nice. You see the birds going overhead and we do moonlit swims and we see the night and the stars. And it's just that feeling of being out in nature and forgetting about anything else. Okay. There are we take fairy most... lights and silly hats and, oh, it's just wonderful. I was just about to say something a bit childish, but I'm going to still say it. No, uh, there, say there it. Aren't, there aren't points for the most creative swearing then. No, the generally, there's, generally it's the same two or three words that everybody uses. Okay. All right. oh, I, I definitely want to go on to some more of the positives, but I just want to hark back to something Greg said about not swimming alone. Because this is quite yeah. something, Greg, because, you know, you're a triathlete. You 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 can swim miles um, in cold water. I've I've seen videos of you doing it. But you, even you, don't go swimming, just you. Okay, that's definitely Never. worth emphasizing because, you know, Never. If, if, if Greg doesn't do it, um, that's probably something the rest of us would take, take on board, I would uh, suggest. And if you are yeah, going I, a long way, then you can get toe floats, which you can see on the surface. You can always use them to hold on to. You, need, you don't know how you're going to feel or what the water's going to do. And if no one knows where you are, it's really dangerous. Yes, of course. No, All right. I mean, it, 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 listen, if you, if you take nothing else out of this podcast, that is the most important thing that you'll take out is never swim alone. All right. No, that's that's good. Let, let's part that and move move on to the positives. OK, so we, we have mentioned some of them already. But, Greg, you, you started to mention some of the sort of changes that happen in the brain and the happy chemicals and the love um, hormones, this sort of stuff. Can you just um, tell us a, a bit more about those and, you know, some of the work that's actually been done to, to prove this? Because all kinds of people talk about the happy chemicals uh, are, and, you, you know, you can see them on Instagram and all the rest of it. But with a, a bit of um, hard fact, hard, an academic approach, possibly. Well, it, I, I mean... It, it's an interesting one, and certainly it's a, a, a sort of very new approach. And I, I guess the newest work, uh, and perhaps some of the most interesting work of late, has been around uh, depression and depressive symptoms, um, and the role of cold water immersion in ameliorating, so reducing uh, those those symptoms. Uh, and and there is, a, I mean, we always have to caveat this: a very small body of work. Um, but nonetheless, an interesting body of work, which is growing. So we call it burgeoning. You know, it start, it's growing uh, in terms of, of its uh, scientific support. Um, but, but to some extent, there is a rationale to it. So, that, so what we know is that, that cold water immersion is a stress. It is a, uh, it's a very potent stress. And I think the, the interesting thing here is that actually stress in general, certainly stress chronically is very bad for our health. Um, and is linked with all sorts of problems around things like cardiovascular disease, stroke and cancer, et cetera. Um, and what, but what we're talking about is acute stress. So we're talking about a very short-term stress, number one. Uh, and then secondly, on top of that, is actually this is stress that we are, to some extent, in control of uh, mm -hmm. because we have decided to go 
cold water immersion with, with cold water immersion we decide how long we're going to stay in for we decide how quickly we're going to recover from it etc and so albeit it's a stress it's not a stress much like some of the other stresses that we have in life which are profoundly negative for health actually this is a, a really positive um, stress and, and along alongside that stress there is a host of physiologic changes that take place but also there's a host host of, of, of hormonal changes that take place. And some of those take place in the brain. And, and, and where we've got evidence for that is, is from a variety of different studies, which have looked at things like these happy hormones that we mentioned. So things like dopamine, for example, the beta endorphins um, within the brain, things like serotonin, things like oxytocin, is that what we see is that we see an elevation or a secretion of those following cold water immersion, particularly when we're in control of it. Uh, and so that, in other words, when we're choosing to do it, and mm -hmm. it is of an appropriate length that we're not excessively exposed to that environment. And, and there are a couple of really nice, very small studies, uh, which have taken a look at the role of cold water immersion uh, in comparison to some of the um, antidepressant drugs, things like serotonin mm -hmm. reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, uh, and have shown that they can be equally uh, effective. Um, and uh, probably what I would say is be very careful about that. Small number of studies, small number of individuals within those studies. And I think what we're probably talking about here is a supportive mechanism for that right. for that um, pharmacologic support. Um, but what so it's it's a really it's a really interesting area now where we're starting to understand the importance. Now, again, the caveat to that is that I would say that. There are lots of people who think they've invented cold water immersion um, and that they are responsible for, for what cold water immersion is. Um, and I can tell you, we've been doing this cold water immersion for health for thousands of years. Uh, and there are very good examples uh, from history of a variety of philosophers who have expunged the, the importance of or extolled the, the importance of cold water immersion. What we're now starting to do is sort of tack the science onto that onto that belief system right. with with somebody being very positive. And do the, or maybe Liz, Liz has found this with, with her, her group, you, you said that you kind of get a bit more used to it. Do the, do the positives kind of get less as you get used to it and you find yourself either having to go swimming more often or stay in for longer? No, I, I feel amazing every time I do it. And it very much depends on how tired I am, how I'm feeling. Some days I'm in for two minutes, some days I'm in for seven. It's just being out in nature and that buzz afterwards is the same no matter how long I've been in. Right. You just okay. It's just the most amazing thing to do. And if, if you can't go for whatever reason, can you make do with a cold shower? I think that's a different kind of exposure. I think, again, because... In, when I'm going in a river, I'm going in slowly from the feet up. The cold shower is often instant. And I've tried it. I don't like it. I don't get the same buzz. Right. And I, I worry about people having ice baths in the garden because they're replacing all that water every week. And is that a waste of water? What are we doing to it? Um, but again, if you live in the middle of when there's no water near you, it's is it the next best thing? What do you think, Greg? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a really interesting one. That, that sort of the, the relationship between non-immersion so effectively showers versus full immersion. And then, as you rightly say, the sort of difference between a big body of natural water versus a 
a tank in, in your back garden. I mean, obviously, one of the things about tanks is actually the the, the cleanliness of that water. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's something that a lot of people won't consider. But actually, if you leave if you leave a, a body of water stagnant in in your back garden all winter long, um, the potential for for a whole variety of health problems from that water is high. Um, so you do need to treat that water equally. What you need to do is replace it on a regular basis. And you're absolutely right. Is that you know, is that environmentally friendly? Um, I, I think the interesting one is that, that it certainly does appear that that showers are different to cold water immersion uh, for various different reasons. Um, fundamentally, the, the, what you get when you're in a, a, a body of water is you get what's called hydrostatic pressure. So you get this pressure which is exerted by the water when it's around you. And, and that does lead to a slightly different physiologic response than being in a shower. Yeah. Um, add on top of that, you've got a, a fully global cooling. So you've got cold water all over you. And it, it, the extension of that, interestingly, is people often say, well, why don't we just do it in cold air? Well, well to, to, just to understand that, cold water is 24 times, 25 times more conductive than air. Uh, in other words, you will strip heat much, much quicker in water. It's why water is so much more dangerous than, than cold air exposure. Um, and so, it, therefore, in, in, in order to get the same physiologic response from cold air and therefore cold shower to some extent, is that the, the, the duration of time that's required for exposure has to be longer. That then creates other potential problems, uh, particularly right. in very cold environments compared to, to big bodies of water. So I think I think the answer to your question very, in, in brief is it's a continuum. And I think for, for at one end of that spectrum, you've got cold air, you've then got cold showers, and you've then got cold water immersion. And probably what we're talking about is the cold water immersion being yeah. sort of the place to be if you can do it safely yeah okay no i, I get that is there any difference between seawater and fresh water you're, you're nodding the, a bit the, 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 well you know the, the, the critical difference I, I, one of the things you have to think about here is what, what, what the, I, I spend half my time talking about danger so i'm really sorry about this um <laughs> do you know what i'm not sorry about this because everybody always talks about the positive effects uh, and nobody ever talks about the, the critical uh, problems that can occur the, the interesting thing about sea, about salt water, about saline water, is that what it does is it actually freezes at a lower temperature. Um, and if, if you consider, I mean, so one thing that's interesting here is that the, the, the human tissue freezes at, 0.5, at minus 0.55 degrees centigrade. Okay. Um, now, in general, that means that in fresh water, um, frostbite is, frostbite, frostbite, remember, is vanishingly uncommon nay doesn't occur uh, in salt water actually salt water freezes at minus one to minus two depending upon the salinity of the water so there is a potential of frostbite given that, that human tissue freezes at minus 0.55 there is a potential issue of right. frostbite although it is vanishingly small so lots of people say well no, you can't get frostbite so it doesn't make any difference what you have to be very careful of is something that we call non-freezing cold injury. Uh, and non-freezing cold injury is a real problem. And anybody who particularly, and, and this is where I see this most, most commonly, um, is in cold water baths where people are adding ice and loads and loads of ice and really bringing the temperature down as much as they possibly can. And then they're exposed because of the bravado 
around this is oh, how long did you stay in for you know it becomes like a bragging rights about how long you stay in for people who submerge themselves for prolonged periods of time can uh, can effectively bounce into this particular problem which is non-freezing cold injury which it, which can be debilitating and prolonged uh, if, if it does occur lots of things that happen within that so i think it, it, the, the critical thing here is just to make sure that, that, that as we said right at the very beginning it, the temperature of water matters but also the, the submersion time actually matters as well to ensure right. that you're staying safe from my point, I'd say the sea leads to a lot more swearing because you get a wave suddenly come over you. You don't have your gentle going in and out. Right. I think another thing that's important to mention is you don't want to jump into a hot shower really quickly. You need a good half an hour or so of gradually warming your body up. Oh, really? Exercise okay. and layers. Yeah, because if you go straight into a cold shower, into a hot shower to warm up, you actually get more cold because you're sending blood to your skin to warm up and taking it away from your core. So ideally wait a good half an hour or an hour of just warming up, putting layers on, and then go and have a shower when you're warm. Because I did that the first time, no one told me, and I was like, I'm shivering, I'm almost fainting in the shower. I was so cold and didn't understand it. Okay. And that's, that's why you do it with a group of people who are used to doing it, so they can tell you these things. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely worth bearing in mind. It's called after drop, isn't it, Greg? Well, so uh, just what you described there, what's interesting is that you get this thing called reperfusion injury. Um, yeah. and, and, and everybody will recognize that if they've ever been out in the snow and made snowballs without gloves on. Um, and, and you're out in the snow, you're making snowballs, you haven't got gloves on, your hands are cold, but it's not too bad. And then what you can come into that and you put your hands on a radiator so you get this reperfusion so where there was limited blood flow coming to the to the fingers in that particular case what you now do is you now rush blood into it and along with that it becomes incredibly uh, pro-inflammatory you've got reactive oxygen species going through the roof and the critical thing that, that's defined by that is the pain absolute fundamental agony anybody who's made snowballs in the snow and rewarmed too quickly will know what that feels like so it is it is a real issue and so we have to be very careful around that the, the after drop is an interesting one, something slightly different. And, and that is that what what many people think is that the, 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 safe, the safety element stops as soon as they get out of the water. Whereas actually evacuation from the water, let's not talk about sort of rescue. It's interesting that, that rescue uh, is something slightly different. Um, but if you're, you're just exiting the water, what, what happens is what you've done in cold water is effectively you redivert the blood to the core to maintain core body temperature. And so the periphery becomes very cold. So that the arms and the legs effectively are cold and, and they're cold tissue. As you exit the water, what you then start to do is reperfuse that cold tissue. And so the warm blood that was in the, in the core, maintaining core temperature, now moves to the cold areas. And so therefore what you get when you exit the water is you get a, a continual progressive reduction in temperature so core now core body temperature starts to drop and that and, and actually the most dangerous point really is during that period of exit from the water uh, and and that after drop can lead to a profound reduction in core body temperature which will then dictate health outcome so the, the, probably the most you know the, there are lots of important stages here but certainly what you do when you get out of the water is absolutely crucial and what that's why i have rapidly a really so I have a really embarrassing onesie that I get on. It's thermal as quickly as possible. So I'm covered up. It's all about yeah. getting all the clothes on as quickly as possible. Yeah. Dry, dry, dry first, 
and then and then wrap quickly. And, and again, you know, the, the classic mistake that an awful lot of people make is all oh, hot fluids. Well, what you have to remember is that the face is incredibly cold, and, and what that what that does is it numbs the face, particularly numbs the the lips, and it's incredibly difficult to discern what is hot and what is boiling. Uh, and so the potential for burn uh, oh. with hot fluids when you get out of cold water is really very high. So you have to be very, very careful to make sure that what you're talking about, yes, hot, warm fluids, warm fluids can have a positive impact, but you have to make sure that that temperature is okay to ingest post exit from cold water. Because if somebody gives you a boiling hot cup of tea, you, you could be in significant problem of burn because fundamentally you can't feel how hot it is. There's a lot. But it is incredible. I sound like a negative man here. I'm I know. Really we love it. You, you, you just need, you need you need to do it safely and you need to be aware of the risks. And then just if you can go outside, get into water in nature and just experience that amazing high. No. Yeah. OK, well, I, I, I want to have a go now. I, I've seen actually video from both of you. So I, I have an inkling that I know some of the answers to this question. Uh, but as, as far as cold water swimming, and this is probably against everything Greg's been saying, but how cold have you gone? So, Liz, I, I've, I've gone I've... down to two degrees. Um, we went out to a lake because I wanted to swim with ice. We were cracking the ice off, but I was literally only in for about 90 seconds. Right. I have seen you I don't cracking swim ice. in that water. It, it's too cold for me. I just want to go in, paddle about and go out. OK. And you were with other people that knew what they were up to. So, yes, and, and there Greg, were three of us there. Yeah, good. I, 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 I've seen a video of you um, jumping into a fjord when it was still dark. Um, it was so early in the morning. I imagine that was fairly cold. That was chilly. <laughs> that was chilly. Yeah, actually, um, a few years ago, I, I filmed with Discovery uh, on a world record attempt. Not I wasn't doing. I was looking after a guy who was, uh, and we went up to a um, went up to a field. Now fields are sea fed. If people right. know what fields are, but they're, they're, and so therefore they're saline. They're brackish at best, but they're saline generally. If the closer to the sea that you are. Uh, and that was minus one. Um, and that is properly cold. <laughs> uh, interesting enough, he, he actually, this guy called Stig Severinsen, he, he broke the world record for under ice swimming uh, in a pair of budgie smugglers. Um, impressive to watch. Um, but but, cru but crucially for him, you know, it was... I should think they were loose by the time he'd finished. <laughs> and he'll, he'll have acclimated up for that. He'll have been doing that for a while were. to build up, won't he? I know, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's, he, had, he started off with very tight trunks for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So look, there, there's an awful lot of, that, that we've covered here. And I can imagine people being interested. Um, but what I think would be useful to give some good sources of information or, or how to meet up with other like-minded people so you know you, you you get some advice and don't go on your own that sort of thing what if so what are some good sources of information if, if people think yeah i'd like to have a go at this so i get the open water swimmer magazine but i actually found my group through the facebook they're a company called the blue tits and they're globally and it's men and women who swim outside all over the world and if you put in the blue tits into Facebook, you'll find your local group and they're friendly, you're free, just go along and join a session and that got me hooked. Brilliant, okay. Now, Greg, have you got some good sources of info? Yeah, so there are great sources of information. Actually, you know, Open Water Magazine is a, is a good start for that. Um, 
Uh, the editor's a friend of mine, does a great job in, in making sure that people do stay safe. Um, if you go through the RLSS, the Royal Life Saving Society website, um, and in fact, if you go through the triathlon website, so Triathlon England has got a project and a, and a program of safe open water swimming. I, I can imagine there are places that the, the novice can go and experience everything we've just been talking about, but also have the knowledge that there's a, a lifeguard keeping an eye on them. And this sounds like quite a good sort of halfway house plan. No, it absolutely is. And, and I think I, I would certainly my recommendation would be to find somewhere which find the safest place that you can swim and in, invariably that is organized facilities um it, there's a fabulous project called beyond swim uh, and you can check it out on beyondswim.org um and, and what they what they have done is they've worked with the royal life saving society um with triathlon england and, and a number of other organizations to effectively sort of flag high quality swimming venues around the country so this is a, a sort of countrywide um and, and many of those nay most of those or nay all of those um have lifeguards uh, present and so uh, having a, a royal life saving society lifeguard present makes a massive difference because fundamentally increases that or improves that safety um of where you are swimming and also by having that organized approach, you can get the right advice for you as a, as a newcomer to it. Um, and, and invariably, actually, things like water quality, uh, things like understanding what's underneath the water, uh, having a marked course where you can actually swim around if it's swimming that you're doing, all of those things come as part of that, of that safety culture of, a, of a, an accredited center. So I would definitely say search, search for somewhere like that if you are new to it. Right. Um, and, and what you will do is from by doing that, you'll actually get involved with a group. Because the, the wonderful thing is, and Liz speaks about this, is incredibly social. Um, the wonderful thing about open water swimming is that everybody is in it together. Um, and, and it is a, a wonderfully social environment. And that can improve your social health as well as your mental, emotional, and physical health. Yeah. Now, we've, we've spoken about lots of things that all sound tremendous and wonderful. But up to now, we've kind of not touched on the elephant in the room and there there is a massive elef elephant and i think that's 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 pollution of our inland waterways and also the, the you know the seas around the coast um yeah. have have you got experience uh, of this of kind of well in in any shape or form you're smiling so i think you probably do well it, it's one of those things that have i got experience i've been up close and personal uh, with uh, with other people's detritus let me let me put it like that i mean it, it's it, fundamentally it currently is a disgrace of this country uh what the water boards and this is this is virtually every water board in the country is doing to our open waterways is that they've taken it upon themselves to use rivers as open sewers um and the same with seas uh, and, and we've seen that highlighted recently uh, in the press um, and, and actually a fabulous documentary um, from Paul Whitehouse, uh, a two-part documentary on BBC Two, if anybody's interested to look at the sort of his historical perspective and what's going on. And, and the, the primary driver of that is capitalist greed, uh, because water companies make an awful lot of money. If they don't have to do their job and they can just dump the sewage, then, then that works uh, better for their for their bottom line and their, their shareholders. But it is, I mean, I, 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 I swam the Thames last year. Um, I raced the Thames. Um, so 125 miles, and I spoke to the Environment Agency before starting, and, and they rank the water quality from one 
being best to five is the worst. Uh, and for the entirety of the swim, it was five. Right. Um, and and I, I was swimming past. And what you have to bear in mind, this is last summer. So there are no exceptional circumstances. So, so when there's very heavy rainfall and, and, and they're at capacity, then they're allowed to, to leak um, what should be treated sewage um, into, into the waterways. This was last the summer. The idea is if, if, if that's maximum flow, it's very watered down because most of it's rainwater. So, you know, once or however they're, often they're allowed to do it, it shouldn't be too bad. And, you know, that kind of makes yeah. sense. But, <laughs> um, well, l- l- last summer we had one of the hottest summers on record, and we were in drought. Yeah, uh, and yet they were still dumping. Uh, right. And, and you know, w- when I say dumping, I I was submerged in human feces uh, for parts of my journey, um, to the point where just the smell of it would would put you off swimming in in that waterway. And, and, and sadly, that's replicated around the country. It's not. You know, this is not a. This is not a, a Thames water issue, although it's a massive issue for them. Um, this is replicated around the country. Um, so I think, again, it, it brings us back to this point, you know, that I have banged on about it a bit. A bit but, but to me, cold water swimming is something that I truly love. But safety is absolutely paramount. Um, and, and part of that safety message is making sure that you're swimming in a body of water that is safe to swim in. Yeah, um, and pollution is, 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 is precisely that. And, and there are some very, very nasty things that you can pick up from water. Um, and so, again, going back to that idea of, of, of what various organizations are doing about bringing safety uh, to swimming uh, is making sure that you're in a body of water that is clean. And there are, there are lots of fantastic bodies of water which you can swim in, which are clean. Um, and so I think crucially what I would do, what I would personally do to ensure that you make it the best experience possible is that you, you search out those bodies of water and, and you get all of those benefits that we've spoken about, physic, physical, mental, emotional, and social health. They're elevated because we take it outside into the green gym. And so, so we get extra value from that. And the safer we are doing that activity, the more we can enjoy it. And so therefore the greater the benefit we'll get from it. I think that's very wise words. And I think I'm going to try and have more of a go and try and get the rest of my family involved as well. Uh, so that's something I'm going to set myself for this summer and I'll, I'll even try and report back. Um, but for now... And just um, on, on, on that, Mike, you know, one thing I would say on that, Mike, is that, that, that don't, don't, don't bow to the bravado. I think this is a, a real big issue when it comes to cold open water swimming. And that is all you've, you've got to go as cold as possible for as long as possible, which, right. which is utterly untrue. You know, the one thing we haven't defined is what cold water is, and it's quite a difficult thing to do. But if you look at uh, where the vast majority of the hazards start, then it's somewhere between 10 and 15 degrees centigrade is, right. is where, where some of those hazardous things that we've spoken about start. So fundamentally, water below 15 degrees centigrade. Now, that is most coastal waters in the UK um, will, will stay – will peak at that really so in the channel for example in september it might get up to 17 degrees if you're lucky but generally it's around that sort of 15 degree in the summertime so summertime sea temperatures is cold water immersion you don't need there doesn't need to be floating ice in there and you don't need to stay in there for hours and so i think the key to it if if you are going to do it with the family then then do it to the point of enjoyment that's the the whole purpose (laughs) of doing it is so that you enjoy it 
not so you can go on Instagram and boast about how cold the water was and how long you stayed in for. It's about making sure that you are safe, that you enjoy it. And, and if you are safe and you enjoy it, you'll keep going back to it and you will get all of those benefits which are associated with it. Yeah, my, my family won't hold back from telling me if they're not enjoying it either. So yeah, <laughs> I, I, I have a fairly good um, uh, way of checking myself there, I, I would say. But yeah, absolutely brilliant. Loads of great advice, loads of great information. So uh, Greg and Liz, thank you very much indeed for chatting. Much appreciated. Absolute pleasure. Great to catch up. Thank you very much to my guests on this week's show. And they were Liz O'Reardon and Professor Greg White talking about open water swimming and cold water swimming. And of course, thank you very much to you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Relax Back UK show. Join me, Mike Dilk, again next week for more fascinating interviews and chat. If you're listening to the podcast version, please subscribe, like, and share it with your family and friends. And have a healthy week. Until next week.